Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. One thing I would like to say, um, I am very grateful to God that um, our worship at East Baltimore Graffiti Church is, um, is biblical worship. Um, it is also... Um, theologically accurate worship. And uh, man, a lot of things today, man. I got spots on my glasses and everything else. Um, theologically accurate worship. And that is very important. You say, Pastor, why are you being a nerd this morning? Um, I am just reminded time and again um, the importance of worshiping in truth, preaching and teaching the truth of God's word accurately. And I was also reminded this morning that even if sometimes we make an honest mistake, we will come up here and, um, and correct that as has been modeled for us by other of our church leaders that greatly encourages my heart and soul. So this morning, follow with me. No, not up there. Follow with me along up here. Some of our scripture will be on the slides and some um, we will turn we will turn to the scriptures, but we have been doing um, a Bible study called Experiencing God, and it's kind of a reboot. Diane and I did this Bible study with a small group in someone's home about 20 years ago, and we always say, if you come to this Bible study, be careful, because God's going to mess your life up, because hearing practically how in right relationship with God, we, we can recognize and move in the direction of knowing where God wants us to be and how he wants us to serve him. We can do this with confidence. A lot of my friends say, Pastor, look, I I read my Bible sometimes and I just don't understand it. And you know what? Um, I would be a a poor pastor if I said, well, brother, just keep reading it, right? No. Said, Pastor, sometimes I pray and I don't hear back from God. You know what, guys? I have never heard an audible voice back from God when I pray either, but I will tell you, that when I sit with the Lord and I do some of these things that we're going to talk about this morning, uh, I have never been more certain in my life where God wants me to be and the path he wants me to take because of who God is and because of his word, not because of me. Amen. So uh, experiencing God, Diane's been leading us. We've been walking through this for several weeks now, and I just want to share a little bit of it, just a snapshot of this with you this morning. Uh, Next slide, please. Yes. So sometimes we might sense that God is at work or, or we might think we've heard from the Lord and we just want to go boom. We just want to go obey and experience God. We just want to go and do it. Um, but as God did with Moses, as God did with Abraham, as God did with the Apostle Paul, uh, even Mary, right, when she was found herself with child of the Holy Spirit, God was at work. And you see this, and it's kind of a spoiler alert. I wasn't going to go past number four because I wanted a couple of y'all come to Bible study and hear the rest. But look, I spoiled it, right? So God is at work around us. That is just a spiritual truth. We see that in the creation. He is a sovereign creator of the universe. God is at work around us. But also, also God calls us to a real and vital personal relationship with him. And that is through our salvation with Jesus Christ. And then we see God did that with Moses. And then there is an invitation. There is an invitation for you and for me to join God where he is at work. 
And then we see God speaks. And that's where we're going to spend a lion's share of our time this morning. But then sometimes God speaks and you might say, God, you just said some wild stuff. God, you told me to do what? Uh, I don't know. I might have to think about that for a minute, right? So in relationship with God, desiring to serve God, you're listening. God speaks, right? Moses encountered God in a burning bush, a real literal burning bush. Like, really, come on, Moses, what you've been drinking, right? No, Moses had an encounter with God. God spoke to Moses. But look, it will lead you to a crisis of belief. Moses had to go back down the mountain and lead a wild bunch of people on a crazy journey. Thank God. I think God, uh, well, uh, I guess I'm kind of, we're kind of doing a similar thing here, right? It's Greenmount Avenue, right? But no, God had Moses and, and God was clear. God spoke. But sometimes God will speak and he will call you somewhere and he will, or he will call you to do something way, way out of your comfort zone. And it causes a crisis of belief. Why? Because then you're like, mm, am I going to do this? Because then I have to adjust my life. I have to do something and adjust my life in order to obey and experience God. I'm going to tell you, last week I asked you guys, you know, a sermon was the gift, share the gospel. I started to share the gospel three different times this week where God gave me opportunities and I got distracted. And it was very clear to me, there's a guy that I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with. God made it very clear to me and I messed up. I didn't get to finish. I wasn't focused. Um, and, and so now here I am asking God for forgiveness and praying that God will give me another opportunity, right? Because I want my friend to hear the gospel. But so number one, God is at always, God is always at work around you. So Luke, um, John six forty four. no one, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Jesus was going into a town, right? Zacchaeus was way up in the tree. He wanted to meet Jesus, right? Y'all want me to sing this song? I'm always so tempted to sing the song, right? Did you learn that song when you were kids? Yeah. But, God, but Jesus knew God was doing something in Zacchaeus' life, right? And it was God was at work in and around Zacchaeus, and God wanted him to meet Jesus. Jesus knew this. He had a divine appointment with Zacchaeus. That's why when he was up in the tree, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there for we're going to your house today. I'm restraining myself, guys. Um, so God is always at work around you. Now, I mean, that might seem simple. Um, but in the next slide, the writer said this. Um, the writer of Experiencing God said, Whenever it seems that God is not doing anything fresh in your life, focus on the love relationship and stay there until God gives you a new assignment. I may have jumped ahead just a little bit there, but sometimes if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, right? Sometimes it might be, man, I, I haven't heard from God in a while. God, really, what do you want? Why is it not clear to me what I am supposed to be doing? Lord, what's going on here? The writer says, sit in your relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean do nothing. That means pray. That means talk to the Lord. That means lately I got, I, I have pulled my journal back out, got me a new notebook, dusted it off. And when, uh, in my daily devotions or throughout the course of my day, if God really says, if I think there's like that opportunity, I miss this, I start jotting things down. 
Sit in your relationship with God. Write something down, pray. Talk about that spiritual discipline and meditation that's so challenging for us, right? Well, so challenging for me. Maybe you're good at it. But sit in your relationship with the Lord and you will get that new assignment. So uh, next slide here, the Father's work through Jesus. We see very specifically in John chapter 10, and um, you won't have those verses there. In John chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, the Bible is very specific um, about how God is working. 10, 37 and 38. Jesus is speaking, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Now to the Jews, that was blasphemous. Jesus was equating himself with God. He said, the father's in me and I'm in the father. How did Jesus know what was going on. He was in a relationship, Jesus himself, he is God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that eternal dance, that eternal relationship. But Jesus knew what was going on because the Father told him what was going on. In relationship with Jesus Christ, God will do the same thing in your life and mine. This is true. I've, I, we've experienced, I've experienced this in my walk with the Lord. Diane and I have been married for 37 years. And, and we have experienced this together when we um, saw God at work as Christians, right? Um, as in right relationship with God, we knew God was inviting us to join him. And there were crucial, we call them markers in the Old Testament calls them markers, right? These faith markers in your life. When God calls you and it leads you, it led us to that crisis of belief. To, to quit a job, to go into full-time ministry, to go to Bible college. It, it might be uh, something totally different to, to, for you, for, in your life than it was in my life. But in each and every crisis of belief, when at a point I quit a job, I had been on for 15 years. Now, I didn't just wake up one day and quit my job, y'all, okay? But we hear from God. I sat, we sat with it, we prayed, we saw where God was at work. God invited us to join him. We had the crisis of belief. Then we adjusted our lives. Sometimes adjusting your life may take a little time and we're not always patient, right? But, but God will give you the wisdom. You will begin to adjust your life in small ways um, until it, it's that time you take that step and obey and experience God. And it's exciting. Uh, I told the guys this morning we were meeting, I said, those times where you step out on faith and you don't know the answer. God told Abraham, get up and go. If God told me that, I'd be like, okay, where are we going? Well, there came a point in my life, and I've shared that, right? Um, God said, well, you just pack up and leave, and I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. Oh, no, we don't work like that, Lord. I want to know, right? So I told you, I, I didn't want to come to Baltimore. I've, I've shared this, right? I didn't want to... Pastor Taylor asked me to start a church in New York City, in Coney Island, on the beach, by the water. I lived by the water for 25 years. I knew God was calling us to start a church. Hey, man, let's go. Went home and told my wife, pack your bags. She's like, have you lost your mind? No, but, but God didn't call us to New York. He was calling us to plant a church. We didn't know where we were going, so we had to adjust our lives. I, I've shared with you guys we, we prayer walked several major cities where we had served God, you know, all 
Philadelphia, Washington, New York City, Baltimore, even Wilmington, Delaware, right? And can find, hey, our president lives there, right? Uh, so, so because we were seeking, we were seeking, we were trying to make that adjustment so that we would be living in obedience to God. But, and, and I tell you all that because the adventure became part of the fun because we were, we really, we, we knew how to trust God because we'd done it before. I hope that you've had that experience already because sometimes it's fearful, right? Sometimes to change your life, to change a job, to obey God, to enter into a relationship, to exit a relationship, you know, we have to take time and make sure that we're seeing where God's at work and, and, and that um, we follow that invitation that we're really hearing God speak. Okay, so we know also, number two, that God pursues a love relationship with you. This is very important because the relationship, God is all about relationship. We created Adam and Eve. He created you and me. This organism called the church that um, uh, Morgan led the worship this morning, God Build Your Church, is these are... Uh, the church is a living organism full of relationships. God built you and me for relationships. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38 say this. Uh, I love this. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. So God... And watch this, even in the Old Testament, God was doing the same thing. This is a quotation of Deuteronomy chapter 6, when God said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. God calls you and me into a personal relationship with him, a love relationship with him. So uh, next slide says this, and I'm quoting the writer, and I'll turn to John 14 in a minute. When you obey Jesus... When you obey Jesus, you demonstrate that, um, that you trust him. That is obedience. Obedience is the outward expression of your love for God. John 14, 21 says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. John chapter 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So, so are we, do we get right with God by obedience? No. We don't, because we can't obey enough to get right with God. It's through that love relationship where our sins are forgiven, where we cry out to Jesus, where the blood of the cross covers our sins, and we ask Jesus to be our Savior. But, but, watch this, if I truly know Jesus, if I truly am in a relationship with Jesus, I'm going at some point to begin to obey him, right? It's a trust thing, right? I mean, you've been in relationships, you have significant relationships with other people. They are imperfect they, because they are not, the others are not a relation, your relationship with God, but you're in a relationship long enough, a friend relationship, family relationship, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. There's a level of trust there, right? And sometimes you'll do what the other person says or you'll go out on a limb because you love them and care about them. So God is pursuing you. He wants to have that very first and foremost relationship with you. God created us for a love relationship with himself. And um, we read a couple of those scriptures. Uh, you can jot them down or put a circle around 1 John 4, 9, and 10. Um, we love God because he first loved us. Amen? Um, 
Number nine here on the next slide is one of our um, scriptures. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have placed before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live and your descendants, next slide, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding close to him. For this is your life and length of your days, so that you may live in the land which the Lord your God swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Promptly skipped the reference there. That might be Micah and I might be wrong. Um, if you ask me after the service, I'll find it for you. Um, number three, I don't want to speed here, but the third um, principle here in experiencing God, God invites you to join him in his work. Listen, um, before, let's read Philippians and uh, catch my breath for just a second so I don't speed. Uh, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Simple truth, beautiful truth, right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God is in you. He's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So next slide, we learn something here, right? The story of the Bible is about God. Sometimes we can make it about us, right? The story of the Bible, the true accounts and the history and the men and women, the story of the Bible is about God. What does God-centered living look like? I'd like to share something with you. Um, So uh, the pastor says this, a writer of the Bible study. He said, I'd been a pastor for almost a decade in California, where through a series of events, God made it clear to Marilyn and me that he was calling us to relocate to Saskatoon, Canada. Our assignment to become involved in starting a mission church across Western Canada, mission churches. The church God called us to had suffered grievous decline and now only had 10 members attending. The disheartened members had seriously considered disbanding the church and selling the property before I agreed to come there and be their pastor. When we arrived at the church after the long drive from Los Angeles, we could see that there was much work to be done. The church building desperately needed repair, but the remnant of people were too discouraged and tired to face that task. After a light lunch at the church, we made our way to the humble parsonage and we began to unpack. Thousand thoughts about what needed to be done to get that church back on track flooded my mind. Suddenly, a car pulled up in front of our house and six men got out. Having just driven from Prince Albert, 90 miles away, They told me they had been praying God would send a pastor who would begin a new church in their city. When they heard I was coming to Saskatoon, they sensed I was God's provision for them as well. From a human perspective, this seemed ludicrous. My church couldn't afford to pay my salary, let alone sponsor a mission 90 miles away. There was so much to do at my own church, it seemed impossible for me to make a three-hour round-trip commute twice a week to a mission church as well. But I discovered that what is impossible with people is possible with God. So God sometimes will call you 
to a mission or to a level of obedience that seems crazy. Next slide. The writer says this, and I love this here, guys. To live a God-centered life, one must focus on God's purposes, not on one's own plans. Oh my. Understanding God's plans for the world around you is far more important than telling God what you are planning to do for him. Uh, Yes, I know. Let that one sit there for a second. I know, right? I said the same thing. Oh my. Oh, hey God, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you today. God says, how about I be in charge, Charlie? He said, so I'm a person in recovery. I'm recovering from addiction to alcohol and cocaine. I've been in recovery for 35 years. You know what? When I say, hey, God, let's do it your way, things go well. When I said, hey, let's do things Charlie's way and God, I'll get back with you, things didn't go so well. Now, you ignoring God may not go down the same path that it took me. um, But when I was in charge, I know what life was like. When God is in... Oh, that might be God. Hold on, y'all. No. When... When, when, (laughs) I had to, when, when God is in charge, it's a whole different story. Amen. So you say, well, pastor, what does God-centered living look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're learning this and experiencing God on Wednesday nights. Um, Thank you. God-centered living means my confidence is in God, not on, not in me. I depend on God, not on other people. A life focused on God and his activity, humility before God. Y'all don't have to be honest, but I struggle with that sometimes. We don't have to talk about it. You're okay. I don't want anybody to feel bad. Well, okay. I struggle sometimes. Denial of self. Y'all used to hear me joke. I try not to joke about it anymore. He just said, his kid said, my friends call me Mayo. And we said, why? He said, because I'm white and I'm soft. And, And you know what? Sometimes I am. Sometimes I do not like to deny the pleasures that keep me comfortable. So, I know, he was a basketball player too, so that made it even funnier, right? Uh, yeah, you know all the jokes about the white guy out on the basketball court, right? The kid cracked me up. But, but this idea of denial of self. Hey, look, man, that's not, that's not a popular thing and that's not an easy thing, right? Sometimes God calls me and you out of our comfort zones in order to be prepared to serve him. We'll let that one sit for a minute. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness Seeking God's perspective on our circumstances. Sometimes I'm like, these are the circumstances. It's not going well. And Diane says, trust God. He's got it in control. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear that right now. So she says it again. (laughs) But, But it's so true, right? And I hope you do have someone in your life that says it again for you. Seeking God's perspective on our circumstances. That's not always easy. Lastly, or at least here, holy and godly living. You see, I am not going to accurately see where God is at work, and I'm not going to be prepared to join him there if I'm in my day to day life, if I'm dabbling in sin, because that's going to take my focus away. But here's what self-centered living looks like. That's God-centered living. Here's what self-centered living looks like. Don't worry. Don't, don't try to write them all down. I'll email, you to, I'll email you to PowerPoint or you can come to Bible study Wednesday night. Life focused on self. Pride in self and personal accomplishments. Self-confidence. Depending on self and one's own abilities. Affirming self. That's a challenge in our culture today, Right? Um, We are told to, you know, affirm one another, affirm our children, affirm ourselves. And there's a healthy aspect to that. There's a a healthy perspective there. But if if we dig down into it, 
it, it very easily becomes self-centered living. It's not focused on God. Seeking to be acceptable to the world and its ways, looking at circumstances from a human perspective, and selfish and materialistic living. I just wanted us to have a little perspective here. God-centered living, self-centered living. Why? Next slide. Because we must align our lives with God and his purposes so he will accomplish his divine purposes through us. Good stuff, right? I am aligning myself with God and his purposes. Well, how do I know God's purpose? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you, I promise. Um, number four. Now, here we are. This is where we're supposed to hang out for a couple minutes. Um, this is where we're supposed to hang out for a couple minutes and I'm running out of time. This is, um, this is one of the seven realities of experiencing God. This is number four. It's my favorite one. God speaks to us. So how do I hear from God? God speaks to us or by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. So you see Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God says, For my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher in the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God doesn't do things the way we do them. He does them better. That's why we're encouraged to listen to him and obey him. God's way is usually better than my way. It's always better than my way. Next slide. So God always has far more on his heart to accomplish through our lives and churches than we could possibly imagine. How tragic for us to become so preoccupied with our own plans and strategies that we don't even take time to hear what God intends to do. Hey, yep, guys, you know what? Uh, we went from 50 people to 200 in our church, and here's how we did it. Here's seven steps to church growth just for you. And Man, sometimes they leave God, we can leave God out of this. The Bible is full of examples of people who willingly set aside their plans to follow God. Paul and Mary are two of the most fascinating, right? Paul's job was to go out and catch Christians, torture them, and put them in jail. He was a Jew of the Jews. He said, look, you Christians, I'm going to get every one of you that I can. God changed his plans, did he not? Paul became God's man for the gospel, amen? How about Mary, a teenage, uh, teenage betrothed girl, finds herself pregnant. And then God says, it's by the Holy Spirit. And you know what she says? Oh God, I am your humble servant. She believed God. God was at work. She trusted him. Um, next slide, please. You see, we have this challenge. We have God's purposes versus our plans. I love the Psalms and the Proverbs can <laughs> hit this head on for you and me. Uh, <clears throat> next slide. The Lord nullify, nullifies the plan of nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. The plan of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. God's going to do what God's going to do. He's going to do it with you and me or he'll do it without you and me. But God has already established his plans. For eternity, by the way. That blows my mind, right? Next slide. Proverbs says this. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the advice of the Lord will stand. Proverbs 19, uh, 21. 
I did want to, um, this is how, this is how God does this. A guy named Gary Hillier was a pastor of Beverly Park Church in Seattle, Washington, when attendance averaged around 100 on Sunday mornings. 40 church members took training to learn to pray, and eight of them subsequently committed themselves to pray daily for God to show him how he wanted to grow their church. So 19 members began a study of experiencing God together. When immigrants from the Ukraine began attending Beverly Park, the members paid attention and asked God to reveal why he was bringing these international people to their church. Hey, listen, when someone comes to your, our church that's never been here before, God's doing something, and, and we're to ask ourselves, hey, God, what are you up to? One day, one of the new Ukrainian families asked Gary if the church would like to have his father's house in Lugansk, a city of 650,000 people in the Ukraine. Gary called me to ask how I thought his church should respond to such an unusual offer. I responded that this sounded like God's invitation for the church to become involved in missions. Though behind in its budget, Beverly, Hart, Beverly Park voted to accept the house and the members continued praying. Within weeks, Don English, a friend of Gary's, called. Do you remember our prayer seven years ago when I sensed God would one day call me as a missionary to the former Soviet Union? Well, God has told me that now is the time for me to go. Gary replied, I have good news for you. We have your house <laughs> and it's in Lugansk, Ukraine. <laughs> Beverly Park voted to sponsor Don and his family. They only had $21 in the bank that week. Right? So now what do we do, he asked. I suggested they clarify that this was indeed the Lord's leading. Then they needed to trust the Lord to provide for what he called them to do. They spent their Sunday evening service in prayer for God's provision. By the end of the week, they had $4,000 to send Don and his family to Lugansk. Once there, Don received invitations to lead Bible studies in people's homes, in the elementary and high schools, for university faculty, and even for 500 people at a medical center. When the government heard about Don, they invited him to participate in a ceremony to thank America for providing their city library, which had been funded by the Marshall Plan following World War II. Don agreed. National television station broadcast the ceremony, asked Don to say a few words. Less than two months into his work, Don was on national television telling the Ukraine about Jesus, right? Later, he was also invited to speak to the Ukrainian parliament. Uh, this story goes on, and I won't, and you're saying, I'm glad. But again, that quote, God has far more to accomplish than what we could even imagine. Twenty-one dollars. They sent this guy to the Ukraine with $4,000 and they didn't know what God was going to do. God was preparing to save people. Amen. It's quickly become like um, my favorite story uh, in the book. It really is. And then God uses, so God uses prayer. These people didn't just jump in and say, let's do this. They said, oh, wow, is this an opportunity? Is God at work? Let's pray. They didn't say, let's talk about it. Let's form a committee. Baptists like a amendment. Let's form a committee. Let's talk about it. No, they said, let's pray. And then we see um, after prayer, the word of God. This is, how, this is how we get there. This is how we hear from God. First, we pray. 
then we open God's word. Hebrews 4.12 said, the word of God is living and active and able to penetrate the heart through the joint and the marrow of the word of God. We talked about this Wednesday night, and I just said, the word of God just gets all up in you. Okay, that's my, that's my translation of that verse. The word of God is living, it's active. We need to go to the word of God as we are determining, as we are trying to determine what God is saying, where God is at work and how we will join him there. So there is a sequence, you know, you read God's word, then the spirit of truth takes the word of God and reveals truth to you. Just jot down John chapter 16, I'm telling you the truth, the Holy Spirit is our guide, our teacher, you guys. You've heard me preach, we, I preach the gospel of John. Um, and, and that's okay, most of us forget the pastor's sermon by Monday morning, it's all right. You adjust your life to God through the truth of God, then you obey him, then God works in and through you to accomplish his purposes, then you come to know God in a more personal and real way as a result of that experience. That's why we go to the word of God when we're attempting to join God where he is at work. That's how God will speak to you. So we don't say, what is God's will for my life? I used to do this with students and then another slide would pop up with a big X through the phrase for my life. We say, what is God's will? Because experiencing God teaches us how to, how to pursue what is God's will. Not, see, if it's what is God's will for my life, then it's all about me. If it's what is God's will, then it's about God. And I'm joining God where he is at work. Yeah, it all starts to make sense, right? So God speaks to us through his word. Uh, next slide. God speaks to us through prayer. You know, I got ahead, didn't I? Um, God speaks to us through circumstances through your circumstances in your life. He will. This is the one we like, or at least this is the one that comes, you know, this is the one that I like to know more about. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because my experience alone, if I rely on that alone, my experience alone is unreliable. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, lean not on your own expectations, right? He will guide and direct your path. He will take you where he wants you to go because you're joining him where he is at work, right? We're not saying, God, this is my plan. How about you bless it and let me do it? No, no. You know what God, Jesus said in John chapter five? This is so good. Y'all, we get real close to the end too, aren't y'all happy? John chapter five, John chapter five. There we go. Um, verses 17 through 20. But he answered them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. And as a matter of fact, Jesus even says then that Jesus takes that and Jesus shows you and me what the father is doing so that we can join him. But you see this adventure of joining God where he is at work and this adventure, we have to invest at some point, right? We have to make sure that you have that relationship with Jesus right, 
first. God's at work all around you. He, he, he calls you in a personal love relationship with himself. Then he gives you the invitation to join him where he is. And then God speaks to you and he speaks to you through all these different things, the last of which is the church. God speaks to us through the church. He uses this living organism that, um, that Morgan sang about this morning, this thing called a church where you sit today, where you are ecclesia, you are the called out ones if you're a follower of Jesus and you are in this church. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 say this, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in him in all aspects who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. God will use the church, the people in your church, to confirm where he is calling you to come to work with him. So he will use prayer. He will use the word of God right? He will use your circumstances and the church. And so God does these things when we get to that point of a crisis of belief. Oh, you want me to share the gospel with that guy? Oh, you want me to go to that weird little church on Greenmount Avenue and do something for you, Lord? Oh, you know, I remember um, we we did a lot of praying when one of our uh, guys went out as a missionary to Cambodia. We prayed about that for, man, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I love Jesus. I'm glad, he, I'm glad he didn't call me to Cambodia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God speaks through his church. So um, this is how, these are the ways that you and I can be certain that we're going with God where he wants us to go. We're hearing from him. When you come to that crisis of belief, you know what to do. Sit with him in prayer, right? Read the word of God. He's gonna, he's gonna bring it back to you. And God is always faithful, amen? So, so experiencing God. See, this is a real practical look. And you know, absolutely, uh, nothing I shared with you is original today. I did this Bible study 20 years ago and it changed our lives. And we're doing it again now. And I'm saying during the week now, I'm saying, oh, God, oh, oh did you just do that? Oh, Lord, is that, is that my opportunity? So because I'm becoming more aware all over again as a result of, of really considering how to meet God where he is at work. Amen. Amen. So, so, so I hope this week that, you know, God gives you that opportunity and that you see it, that you that you hear it, that you join him there. If you come to a crisis of belief in the coming weeks and you remember that, man, come let me know. I'll pray with you. Um, several folks here will pray with you. Let us be part of how God is speaking to you here at Graffiti. Um, come back, settle in for a minute. Um, pray to the Lord and, and, and then sit with it for a while. God does. He, he's inviting you to join him. And it's an adventure uh, serving the Lord together. Amen.